0: Get started today at
1: trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D dot com. Hello and welcome to episode 282 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Thank you so much for joining me today. So have you got your ticket yet to see me, Paul and Mike? The show is called How to Plan the Perfect Murder and totally balls it up. Our first date is in Glasgow on the 30th of June with tickets at just £12. Please support us if you can, as if we break even, we'll take the show all over the UK and beyond. You can find the link for tickets at all my social media channels. It's going to be a lot of fun, so come up to Glasgow in June and look out for more dates being released shortly. As always, a huge thank you to all my supporters at Patreon, but especially the new members of this exclusive club. That is Chloe Cunningham, Jason Hadley and Samuel Adams. Thank you so much for joining our community. As usual, I'll be sharing the winning lottery numbers on Friday evening at about 7. This podcast is sponsored by Noom. I remember when I thought the way to lose weight was not to eat breakfast or lunch. By about 3, I was always on the sweets and crisps and I ate way more unhealthily if I just had the normal breakfast and lunch. Does that sound familiar? But that's what happens when you try to change habits but your mindset stays the same. The results don't last. That only happens when you create new habits, right? I've really got back into sailing this year after a few years away and using Noom has really helped me shift the weight I needed to so that I can race competitively. Well, semi-competitively anyway. And it's super easy for me to see why Noom has worked for me. Like you, I have a busy life and the Noom program feels more empathetic and it's, it's flexible too. It means for just 10 minutes a day, I can get all the very real benefits that Noom provides me. I'm really a very simple person. I want it to be quick and easy. I wish I'd started a long time ago. Lose the weight for good. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash Pod. That's n o o m. dot com slash UKTCPod. Okay, so let's set some context for today's story with the welcome return of our guest, the month and year game. Top of the UK charts was American Boy from Estelle featuring Loose Cannon. In the US, it was Bleeding Love from Leona Lewis. And top of the album charts for this year was... <laughs> Why am I laughing? I can't quite believe what I'm about to read, but it was once again the kings of tedium. With their latest album, every song sounds the same. Okay, okay, it was only by the night for those fans of theirs who listen. Both of you. In the news this month, David Blaine, I remember him, set a new Guinness World Record for holding his breath underwater for over 17 minutes. He did it on the factually challenged Oprah Winfrey show. The inquest into the death of Diana, Princess of Wales, recorded a verdict of accidental death caused by the heavy drinking, drug abuse and speeding of her chauffeur, Henry Paul, who died in the crash along with Diana and David Fayed. A verdict that finally stopped all speculation about Diana's death. This month saw the Corporate Manslaughter and Corporate Homicide Act come into force and Karen Matthews, the daughter of kidnapped nine-year-old girl Shannon Matthews, was arrested for organising her daughter's kidnap. Even after all these years, it's a shocking story, isn't it? Did you guess the month and year? It was April 2008. So on to today's story. I remember clearly a few years ago, before the UK housing market exploded, and we were desperately trying to sell our house in North Devon. We had plenty of viewings, but for a variety of reasons, nobody wanted to make the right offer. At that time, I started to scan some of those adverts for companies who help you sell your house quickly. You know the ones, right? Your sensible side tells you that you aren't going to get the price you want, and you also worry about some sort of scam. You've heard loads of stories. I never made that call, but then at the time we weren't desperate. If you were desperate and urgently needed to release the equity in your house, these companies can appear to be the saviour and the solution to all your issues, I imagine. One couple who placed the adverts I've just referred to were Edwin and Lorraine McLaren, who lived in the upmarket Quarrier's Village, which is around 10 miles west from central Glasgow. They ran Property Solutions and Home Sale Solutions, which promised to stop repossessions, to clear your debt and also offered a rent-back option. Their company would complete on your house sale in just seven days. Now, nobody wants to sound like the Daily Mail, quoting the prices of the houses of murder victims. But just for some context, it's clear that the McLarens were doing rather well from this business. Their house was an expensive one in an exclusive area. They were regular visitors to that bastion of human rights, Dubai. And Edwin drove a yellow Bentley. Nothing suggests midlife crisis, less than a brightly coloured top-of-the-range car, but whatever made him feel he'd made it, I guess. Anyway, Before getting into the property business, Edwin had worked as a financial advisor and this had given him a strong understanding of the mechanics of the property business For when he had started his business in April 2008, which he was then able to build on. It's fair to say that four years later, in 2012, the business was thriving and life was great for the couple, but it was then that the difficulties began. One homeowner in Cowden Beef and Fife wasn't happy in 2012 after dealing with the McLarens. She didn't feel she'd received the full amount due to her for the sale of her house, and so when Edwin McLaren didn't help any further, she went to the police. After a very brief investigation, detectives quickly realised that there were lots of properties linked to this incident and transferred the investigation to the financial experts in Paisley. And as they contacted more and more homeowners who had trusted the McLarens, they found many more victims of his fraud. In fact, the inquiry quickly spiralled to the level that the pinnacle of the investigation, more than a 100 police officers were involved as the sheer scale of the scam became apparent. It was a classic fraud playing on those who were facing huge debts or otherwise were vulnerable due to a variety of issues such as ill health or bereavement. And like most frauds we hear about on this podcast, it was devastatingly simple. In essence, the McLarens would offer to buy their house or lend them money to clear their debts and in return they would still maintain part ownership of the property, so everyone's a winner. But by using dodgy solicitors, the McLarens in fact signed over the title deeds to the homes to them. Edwin McLaren used a number of aliases and ensured the houses were never actually signed over to him personally, but to friends and family. He would tell victims he'd seen it all before, whatever their financial strife, and that he would sort out those difficulties, usually in the form of a loan or a leaseback agreement. He raised mortgages against some of the properties to invest elsewhere and he would sell on some of the properties and the McLarens would simply take the cash from the proceeds. What could be more simple? Sometimes they would give the homeowners small amounts of money over time but it was never the full amount that the homeowners had been led to believe was owed to them. The daughter of one man conned out of his home was interviewed by the BBC and called the McCartneys pure and utter scum who prey on people who are at a low ebb. Soon after he found out he'd been scammed, her dad had suffered a major heart attack. She added, His health has deteriorated quite badly since then, and for the past five or six years he's been half the man he was. He's had two heart attacks and numerous inpatient stays. He just wants to curl up into a ball and die for what Edwin McLaren has done to him. She said that McLaren had appeared to be a nice guy and that her dad had thought of him more as a friend than a business partner. I liked him at the beginning, but there was something that was not quite right and it niggled, she said. I did say to dad, go to a solicitor to get it checked out, but because the trust was already there with Edwin, he didn't want to do it. I don't think Dad should have gone into it lightly. I think he should have sought legal advice, but that's where the confidence trickster part comes in. McLaren, well, he has this ability to make you feel loved, that you are part of his family and anything he does will be for the better quality of your life. She said he was charismatic and she herself got rolled along with his lies. Looking back, I wish we'd never met the man. She now sees him as a total devil who was screwing with people's lives. He thinks he's above the law and he'll get away with it. And I don't think he should, she said. Okay, so I know what you might be thinking. How did the McLarens get the houses completed? Surely he would need professional legal help. That is true. And a number of solicitors help the couple with the fraud. One, such as 60-year-old solicitor John Craxton, was granted immunity from prosecution along with others after he agreed to give evidence against McLaren. Let me quote from the Scottish Solicitor's Discipline Tribunal, which found that Craxton admitted he'd facilitated Edwin McLaren's fraud. He admitted he had discussed with Mr McLaren the scheme of buying distressed sellers' properties in early 2008 and admitted accepting instructions from Mr McLaren in the knowledge of his plan. He admitted Edwin McLaren was the driving and controlling force of all instructions he received and that the purchases were nominees. At no stage did he meet any of the sellers or purchasers. Another who got found out was Andrew Bowie. Who was found guilty of failing to act in his client's best interests and retired in 2017 after 42 years of practice? However, the same tribunal concluded that Bowie demonstrated a serious and reprehensible departure from the standards of competent and reputable solicitors in failing to take steps to avoid the fraud which was being committed. And for this, the tribunal concluded that striking his name from the role of solicitors was the only suitable sanction. One example given to the tribunal was when McLaren used the alias David Johnson and instructed Bowie to open the client's file after falsely claiming to her that he would purchase her property in Dundee for £5,000 and settle her outstanding mortgage, debts and conveyance and fees and also allow her to stay in the property as a tenant rent free. They did reach an agreement that the client had signed a disposition, transferring the title of her property for £20,000. Outrageously, Bowie made no inquiries following the meeting with McLaren, and having accepted instructions from an intermediary, he failed to consult his client. In fact, this isn't just incompetence, is it? Edwin McLaren was using a false name, and Bowie failed to do the basics. Even a low level conveyancer would know from day one of their training. Moreover, Bowie made a false declaration when he completed the client's declaration of insolvency, knowing it was clearly false. Of course, once caught, Bowie was regretful, claiming to be entirely unaware of Edwin McLaren's fraudulent enterprise and deeply regretful of the distress caused, blah, blah, blah. Please keep a straight face for the next part if you can. Ready? He accepted that the things were not done as they ought to have been and wished he'd been more proactive in inquiring about the circumstances with the client. Me too, Mr Bowie. Me too. You can't help wondering, or I can't help wondering anyway, how many other clients Bowie and Craxton failed during their long careers? and how McLaren knew they were solicitors who would, how can we put this nicely, facilitate his fraud. And today, Bowie and Craxton can no doubt enjoy their retirement with a good pension and a nice house from their careers in law, unlike some of those desperate people who lost everything when they were defrauded by McLaren. Do you think I'm being too harsh here? Sorry, but I strongly suggest that we trust lawyers, accountants, police officers, politicians and others in positions of expertise and authority. We all make mistakes, no problem there, and they should be forgiven. But for these solicitors, these weren't mistakes, were they? They weren't mistakes. But unlike the solicitors who knew they'd been caught, when arrested by the police, Edwin McLaren didn't believe he'd done anything wrong. The real tragedy is for the homeowners that some didn't realise they'd been scammed until they were actually approached by officers investigating the McLarens. Edwin McLaren preyed on the weak or those down on their luck. In the case of one couple, McLaren turned up at a cancer centre in Glasgow to get the necessary paperwork signed, and the poor homeowner was so disorientated by his cancer treatment he didn't even know what the document was. Under questioning, Edwin's wife Lorraine McLaren said it was her husband who ran that side of the property business and that she wasn't really aware of what was going on and just signed the documents when he asked her to. Edwin and Lorraine McLaren stood trial charged with fraudulently cheating people out of their homes between 2008 and 2012, with 29 properties on the final indictment but the trial itself was almost never-ending. In fact, the trial at the High Court in Glasgow began in September 2015 and heard evidence for 320 days. Imagine telling your boss you were on jury duty for almost two years. Would that have gone down well? It is estimated the total cost was about £7.5 million, with more than £2.4 million in legal aid paid for defence lawyers. A spokesman for the Scottish Legal Aid Board said the amount of evidence in the case meant that it took Crown prosecutors more than a year to present their case to the court, which is unprecedented. Of course, personal factors affected all those involved in the trial, which lasted 20 months in total. In that time, the jury reduced from 15 to 12, the lowest number it could operate on. The trial was stopped as jurors were sick or took holiday and at one stage proceedings were halted for three weeks as a juror got married. It was also the first time in Scotland that evidence was taken from a sick witness who was too ill to attend the High Court. Instead, her house was set up as a court with all the legal aspects available to allow her to give evidence. Unusually, the judge, Lord Stewart, used a computer slideshow presentation to sum up the case for the jury, and during the trial, the judge celebrated his seventieth birthday and actually retired. But luckily, he was able to continue hearing the case under the provisions of the Judicial Pensions and Retirement Act of 1993. At the end of the Mammoth trial, the jury found the couple guilty. Edwin McLaren was remanded in custody after he was found guilty of 29 charges and Lorraine was convicted of being involved in the scam to the extent of £128,000 and one charge of mortgage fraud for the couple's own mortgage. She was released on bail. In mitigation, Edwin McLaren's defence lawyer said that his client was a first-time offender and that the length of the trial had contributed to mental health issues. Despite the verdict, he said that McLaren still maintained that he was not guilty of any crime. He'd been helping his clients. Investigation for Lorraine McLaren. Her lawyer told how it was her husband Edwin who had a controlling role in financial matters. He said there's no evidence she was personally involved in defrauding anybody, and he claimed that Edwin McLaren was that driving force in the scheme. He urged the judge not to send her to prison, but instead to consider a community payback order. Addressing Edwin McLaren, the judge said It appears your motivation was to secure funds from mortgage lenders to fund an affluent lifestyle. The evidence shows frankly breathtaking dishonesty in every aspect of your enterprise. The jury have found you an outright liar. The judge told Lorraine McLaren that even her own mortgage was financed by her husband's property fraud and the jury must have found that she knew money transferred into her bank account came from the proceeds of crime. He said anything less than 30 months in custody would fail to reflect the criminality involved. The judge sent Edwin McLaren to prison for 11 years and Lorraine McLaren was sentenced to two and a half years behind bars. As an understatement, when he concluded the trial, the judge thanked everyone involved in such a long and difficult case. After the trial, the couple were made subject to confiscation orders at the High Court in Edinburgh. The order showed that Edwin McLaren was estimated to have benefited from his criminal conduct by one million seven hundred twenty-two thousand three hundred sixty-six pounds and sixty-four pence, and an order was made for a recovery of four thousand pounds, just over. His wife was estimated to have benefited by. £694,950 and an order was made for, again, just over 4000 This is all they could get of the assets available at the time and it was agreed by both sides. So why so little money? Just £4,000 from Edwin. It is thought that over £9 million went through the books. So what happened to the rest of the cash? Edwin McLaren, unsurprisingly, what we know of him, Disputed this £9 million figure and accused Crown lawyers of incompetence. He said that prosecutors had originally sought explanations for £1.6 million of cash that had passed through this account and that this amount kept changing. McLaren, who was of course representing himself, he knew best, said first they said the figure's 1.6, then it was 3 million, then it was £5 million, and now they want 9 million. The Crown have treated my wife and I with tremendous disrespect. We'll just leave that hanging there for a moment. He added, there were others who have benefited from that figure, including the clients. The Crown spokesman said it had the power to extend the order to seize money and assets that the McLaren's acquire in the future to pay back the full amount they made from their crimes. On this show we love a bit of remorse. But frankly, I don't think Lorraine could even spell the words, let alone feel it. At the confiscation hearings, she said they hadn't done that much wrong. She said, we never killed anybody. We are not paedophiles. It was white-collar crime. On her release from prison, she moved to a flat overlooking her old home. Their five-bedroom pad was seized and sold at a cut price. They paid over 760000 for it. In 2008, and it was a lovely place with a cinema, breakfast room, and gated entrance. It was then sold for 150,000 less than the couple paid for it. A neighbour said, "Everyone is glad the McLarens have gone, and hopefully they won't be back." But where is all the money gone? They stole. I think it's a very fair question, don't you? So, what do you make of what we've heard this week? Of course, it's easy to shake your head at the greed, the sheer greed of the McLarens, enjoying the money from their fraud, with no thought for those very real victims of what they were doing. The vulnerable, the sick, and those down on their luck, who needed the seemingly quick and easy solution they offered. Had it seemed the dodgy solicitors were not too bothered about the people whose interests they were professionally responsible for acting in their best interests either. Hey, as long as they pocketed the cash, That was the most important thing. I don't want to take too much from a moral high ground here. But what sort of world do we live in when people think this is okay? But I guess it was always this way and always will be when money is such a focus for so many people. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the UK True Crime Weekly Podcast. To discuss this story or any other aspects of UK true crime, please head to the Facebook group where almost 80,000 of us talk true crime 24-7. Just head to Facebook, search UK true crime and say hello to our fantastic new team of moderators. Stay savage. And to support the show, join my community at Patreon. It's the place to be for bonus episodes and other exclusive content including the chance to win backstage tickets for my forthcoming live shows and a free signed copy of my book about serial killer Angus Sinclair if you join on an annual package for as little as just £17 a year. Just head along to patreon.com slash UK true crime. So it's all for me again for another week. Join me once more on Tuesday for another story from the UK's 37th most popular UK True Crime Podcast, and the only podcaster who is on first name terms with most of the residents of Rochdale. Until then, despite all the others, trust me, I know just what you mean. I really, really do. Please do stay classy. Cheerio for now.
0: Selling a little, or a lot... Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger